Welcome to the Burritos, Breaks, and Flies podcast. This week's episode is coming from deep within the confines of the Pledge Estate, nestled in the northern eastern slope of the Sierra Nevadas in a land referred to as Reno. We are pleased and privileged to be joined by none other than the president himself, well that is of the Chucker Chasers, Mr. Damon Booth. In this crossover episode, we align similarities between upland bird hunting and fly fishing, and where we find common ground on many items, we discover that we cannot agree on the single most important issue that seems to divide all of us, and that is of whom possesses the greatest burrito of them all. We also chat on the remarkable similarities between quail and rainbow trout, why Traegers are so great, and go into a length on a topic that really affects us all as outdoorsmen, and that is land access issues. We also like to thank our supporters and sponsors, with which we thought we be hard pressed to bring you all these great podcasts. Loop Tackle, this is how we make the magic happen on the water. Adams Built Fishing, keeps us dry, our flies safe, and nets our best fish. And of course, Oxner Insurance. Jeremy at Oxner Insurance is licensed in both California and Nevada for business and personal lines of auto, home, and life insurance. And uh, given the nature of our outdoor passions, you may want to give him a call, uh, 775-657-6050, and he'll get you situated with all the protection that you need. All right, cross your feet, cross your arms, plug your nose, because we are jumping ship and going for it on this podcast. Hope you enjoy it. All right, welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. So today we have a super special guest with us, a little bit little bit different than our normal guest, but I think you'll dig the guy and what he does. Uh, welcome, Damon Booth. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. Super excited to have you on. So, of course, I got to ask you, who is Damon Booth? Well, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a Nevadan. I was born and raised in Winnemucca for 18 years, then came to uh, Reno, the big city of Reno, to go to the University of Nevada, Reno, and then from there, lived in San Diego for a, a short little while, and got the hell out of California, and now I'm back up in northern Nevada. Nice, nice, and obviously, you're deeply involved in the outdoors. As we know, we, we took a little fishing trip together to an exotic part of the Truckee River. Oh, very exotic. Yeah. Isolated. <laughs> no one else around. No one else except the game warden. Game warden and uh, I think a large crowd of individuals that knew the spot. That knew the spot. They knew what was going on. So just, just a little backstory on that since we're past that time period and we could give the position away. So we were we were in the, the, the locality of the Derby Dam area and... Uh, Damon and I met up out there. Um, unfortunately, Pledge missed out. And if you don't know who Pledge is, we'll define that later. He's been on this <laughs> podcast before. Um, <laughs> um, but normally, it's a pretty pretty empty spot. And due to the fact of the popularity of uh, the Lahontan cutthroat trouts, allegedly running upriver, it's neither confirmed or denied. <laughs> well, you know... Uh, so we just went out there just to do some fishing, and we thought it'd be a great spot with, uh, you know, low traffic. But when we pulled up, it was like FlyCon out oh. there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that they're missing was easy ups and banners and product sales. I mean, it was just a goat rope. Of oh, it was people. pretty crazy. V- yeah. Vendors galore. 
Yeah, yeah. And as Damon pulls up, because our parking spot is visible from uh, Highway 80, I, I think I even saw the look in his eyes of like, oh man, some spot, <laughs> some spot. The, great job. Yeah, great job, dude. But but uh, yeah. So you know, quick backstory. Went out there, did some fishing for a little while, and of course we we dealt with the people. They they just kind of came and went, and then. We had just a random run-in with a game warden. He was what, nice guy, but which in the last couple of years, it's kind of been funny. I'd say in the last three, I've had more run-ins with the game wardens than I ever have previously, which is kind of good and bad. I mean, one, uh, they're very they're stretched very thin in Nevada. I know that they are um, super but, thin. Uh huh. But it is good to know that. I mean, so long as you have your license, you're not doing anything wrong or incorrectly. They're just you know doing their job. Um, but it was odd that day because they, he did the whole, you know, Hey, who are you? Hey, how's the fishing? Hey, by chance before I take off, uh, do you have your license? And we, we had them thankfully, um, and on us, but, uh, he was out there because there was wild dogs or there's like complaints of dogs attacking humans in that general area. It's like, Whoa, some zombie dogs. Right, right, right. And what I didn't tell you about that, cause that's a special regulation fishing section. So, you know, all your hooks are supposed to be barbless and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So um, I provided cover for you the whole time on the bank talking to them because you're 100% illegal in that water. I'm just kidding. You were, you're fine. <laughs> you were fine. But no, that was, that was, that was a fun trip. But that's, I, um, that was my first fly fishing trip with Damon. And, and I got into a fish or two or I don't remember what it was. And Damon actually got first action and... He had a leaper come out of the water and it, it shook loose, but that was exciting. Probably would have been the fish of the day. It was it was a tough day and it was it was pretty nice when we got there. And I remember then it started. It started raining on us. Yeah, it, it was, was one it was cloud, chilly. One oh, rain cloud. One rain cloud and it was literally over the top of us. And I won't tell you how bad Damon was shaking. But <laughs> he wasn't really, but no, he was. It was but, a game warden. It was yeah. He was he was frightful, but um. But you know, on that trip, I did learn a little bit about about Damon, what he does um, in in his outdoor world life. His his big passion um, is upland bird game hunting. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what what you do? And and um, let me back up a little bit. You're 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 the big man at the Chucker Chasers. <laughs> so <laughs> if, you, if you're familiar with the Chucker Chasers, it feels like everywhere I go when I'm driving around town, I see your logo on the back of a, a truck. Oh. Which is pretty Never cool. Never a car, a truck. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no Teslas. I, I think have the, uh, mm. the insignia or the, you know, the logo, the decal. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, it, tell us a little bit about it. It is cool. I mean, again, short stint in San Diego. Uh, absolutely loved it. It was actually for, for, uh, you know, school. Went, went down there for school as well, and, uh, ab- you know, missed chucker hunting. Um, found out after the fact that there's a, there's a good chucker population in Southern California. And just this past Christmas, I was down there and I was able to chase some birds. Um, but yeah, in law school, it was a group of buddies uh, that I'd, I'd chucker, started chucker hunting with prior to law school. And then when I was down there, I'd come up for my winter breaks and we'd hunt, hunt together. And a few buddies were making videos. And from there, you know, I, I initially was like, what are you doing making videos of, of chucker hunting? You're going to show everyone the secret spots. <laughs> and really, if, if you know, if you see videos or if you see posts, I mean, hopefully there's not a true um, iconic uh, marker, um, you know, like a ranch or a rock formation. I mean, for the most part, so much of the Western states look 
very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it went from making videos to then, Hey, we have, you know, there's, there's something here. Um, and we ran with, uh, you know, some merchandise early on and then went from decals and then hats and from hats to shirts, shirts to sweatshirts. Um, and then now it's, it's kind of built its way up to, you know, a, a media content, uh, type of, type of business. And from there, though, it went from hosting a dinner. And from hosting a dinner, obviously, there's financial monetary contributions where early on, you know, it was a for-profit, you know, dinner that was being hosted. And we didn't know what to do with funds. And people were like, well, what are you doing with them? And we're like, we don't know. We weren't expecting to make money (laughs) off this thing. Right. And from the dinners, we formed a – the the Chucker Chasers um, LLC, in fact, formed the uh, nonprofit organization – um, but before the formation of that, we just gave money into Department of Wildlife. I think Department of Wildlife, just like, you know, the, the spiel of the warden, I mean, he was just doing his job. Um, Department of Wildlife in all states, I mean, it's named differently, but, um, you know, whether it's Department of Fish and Game, wherever the case might be, they do a lot for conservation efforts, um, yeah. you know, to regulate and control uh, poaching and illegal harvesting, uh, e- illegal fishing. Yep. Um, and so with Department of Wildlife, we just said, hey, here's a check. And, and please, you know, we, we directed them that it go to youth activities. Um, and I think that's with the formation of Chucker Chasers and then the Chucker Chaser Foundation has always been to give back to youth because mm-hmm. every – everyone's upbringing is different and exposure to the uplands, to fishing, to the outdoors. And really just like fishing, when we went, I hadn't fly fished for probably seven years, which is pretty bad. Maybe like once or twice in between there. But um, even before that, you know, in 2013, 2014 of fly fishing, before then it wasn't serious fishing since like 2010. So wow. So it was, you know, great to be out there, um, and I'm glad you, you showed me that quote-unquote secret spot yeah, well. uh, where we just <laughs> hammered them. Um, but that's what it's all about. I mean, you never know, and right. uh, you know, it's it, it beats any day. Um, you know, beats sitting in the office, and so. Well, the the, fa- the fact that you got into a fish, that the fact that you had <laughs> you had one on he came before out you of the, did. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm I get super stoked at that. I'm 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 probably twice as happy. For the person I'm with, they catch a fish before I do. Yeah, right? well, you, you, you said know, you did so. say the one that you caught was because uh, you know I, I I must have uh, kept him around a little bit. He liked the, you did. He liked the fly that I had on. So yeah, I think he had the same one on. Yeah, I was completely. So it was mine. I was high holing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was completely stinking up your water. I'm like, I know he's gonna bring him in. I'm just gonna snag him out of here, right underneath his nose. Yeah, but, um, you stole that one from me. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it's it's super exciting that that you got a fish on because a lot of people will will have that first time on the truckie or that reintroduction or that long time span that they haven't been on the water and um as much as i love the truckie river i do not like recommending it for oh i'm just starting out and it's like well let's figure something out like truckie's a great water to learn on practicality wise but your expectations for putting anything in your net are traditionally pretty low you know once you get it figured out that changes you yeah. know once once you find those holes that changes but uh it's it can be a long time going so the fact that you you got into something that quick there's hope it's because there's i hope have the foundation you. oh you got all the foundations yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but, but with that i mean it's good to get back into it i want to get back into it um yeah i want to get back into it more during the off season i mean checker season only runs uh, you know, Idaho opens up early, it's September. Um, and then Utah's the longest season of, of mid February, but it just, mm-hmm. it's, you know, a, a short season, um, in the sense of can't do it annually. So, all right. And I know a lot of checker hunters, 
their off season is immediately fishing. Yeah. Um, then it goes into golfing and fishing every so often. I know right now with these high heats, and I'd actually be curious to know your thoughts on this, but with high heats, just the not to pressure fish as much because they're already weak and worn down um, yeah. due to the water temperatures. And so, you know, then it's, all right, the alternative is golfing or any type of water sports. And then, then you have early archery for big game if, if people in the outdoors are, are you know, into that. Uh, and then the upland seasons began. Nice. Well, you know, I could say I could I could speak to the 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 high temps and low water, like specifically as it pertains to the Truckee and and any other water. But for the, for for the locality's sake, um, I would say usually like when you hit in uh, like the sixty five degree mark, you probably should plan on uh, catch and keep, right? Is that um, water temperature? Or? That's water oh, temperature, okay, okay. not air temperature, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. water temperature. Okay. So, and, and this is coming from a, a very credible source, that <laughs> Department of Wildlife. Because I, mean, I usually actually used to think that the water temperature could be a little bit higher before, um, you know, you get to that catch and keep where you don't go at all. So the guidance that I received was roughly around 65, you could plan on a catch and keep. 68 um, is a no-go. And for me, it's always been a no-go. If I show mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, when we got hot hot outdoor temps, doesn't allow that river water to cool down at night. We don't get those those massive drops um, in the night temperature to help cool that down. Let's say we're out on the river at seven o'clock, eight, you know, seven or eight a.m., and that water temperature is already at sixty-two or sixty-three degrees. You're right there on the edge. Yeah. But what you got to think about is this: is you could still have a good day out fishing and, and 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 be smart about it. But look at the forecast for the day. You know, if we're going to be in the hundreds. You might want to peel off because that water temperature could climb drastically. Yeah. You wouldn't be surprised if it got 67, 68, or even higher, you know, throughout the course of the day. So what happens with the fish, and I'll keep it simple, is basically, um, and we'll play them like humans. We catch a fish, right? Pretend you're on a treadmill. I right? don't, okay. I don't so, run real well on a treadmill. Okay, perfect. Neither do fish. <laughs> so when that, that, higher, that, that, that water temperature gets higher... Uh, the respiratory function um, changes in that fish, right? It has to consume more oxygen and, and whatnot. Um, it's harder for it to cool down. So basically, it's kind of like they're on a treadmill, like jogging, all right, in, in the 63 to 65 range. They're jogging, right? And they've been jogging for a while. So they're okay, but when you catch them, pretend you're cranking that machine all the way up to sprint. Oh, man. And now, now you're sprinting that fish, Right, pretty soon it's going to get sucked under. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Peloton no lawsuit. <laughs> right, right. right. There's, one, there's one right next to us, by the way. So, um, uh, and so basically, you're cranking that, you're cranking that treadmill up. It's it's uh, it's running for its life. It's running for its life. And then, bam, bam, you put it in the basket and you lift it out of the water, and then, bam, it's completely comes to a stop. And then you're lifting it out of the water. There's a shock. It's like, holy crap. And you put it in the water and you're like, oh, that was a sweet fish. And you start taking pictures of it and showing your buddies, I caught a fish. And then you put that thing in the water and you watch it swim away. You know, you like, you're, you're resuscitating. Come on, I just got Insta famous from that post. Right. <laughs> Come on, fish, swim away. <laughs> swim away. But it swims away and you're like, oh, it made it away. But what you don't understand is that fish basically, basically kind of gave it a heart attack. Mm. It may not have the ability to, to, to expunge all that lactic acid that it built up in its system. It's not going to catch up with its oxygen levels. And it may not die in five minutes. It may not die in an hour. But you may find that fish 72 hours later 
belly up downriver. Yeah. Right. And that's in that what you think is a comfortable range, you know. Yeah. And you gotta think that water temperature rises through the day, may not be able to find a cool spot. So in in, in quick, basically when you when you're in those low sixties, you're kinda approaching your limit, you know. Uh, but basically that cutoff threshold for me personally is around sixty eight degrees. Um, and that pertains like rainbow trout. That's a definitive uh, brown trout can handle higher temps, um, but don't push it. Yeah. You know, just keep it. What, what's what's the lowest common denominator? Who was who's the weakest link in the chain? Rainbow trout, period. And why is that? Because they're just a wimpy fish. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those are Pledge loves to catch them, though. Does it make sense? There's a correlation. It absolutely <laughs> makes sense on why Pledge, because they're dumb. <laughs> they don't last long. No, rainbow trout's a great fish, but... Um, all the different species that are in the river have just different, different biologies, and and a brown trout is just a hardier fish. It can handle really cold temperatures and much higher. They can handle up to seventy four degrees or even more. So it's somewhat how uh, trucker trucker hunters uh, pride themselves on trucker being an elite bird. Mm. We aren't we aren't quail questers. Quail's a backyard bird. Trucker, well, so, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it's almost you know and, and no that's no. Uh, uh, you know, stab at any, uh, any, any of the, those who hunt quail. I mean, if there's quail, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll go after them. I, I choose not to, especially with, you know, ammo prices this year are unreal. They were pretty expensive and hard to find, come across with shotgun shells. But uh, at times I choose not to hunt quail, chase after them. It's more of a, I think, Chuck or the elite upland bird. Um, there's some organizations out there will kind of jokingly battle back and forth between, uh, you know, uh, grouse being the the elite bird versus uh, mm. rough grouse versus uh, chucker, and I just think there's not a comparison. I mean, when you have to hike, you know, a couple thousand feet at times to get get on a covey of birds, and they fly all the way to the bottom, and all day you're you know up and down, up and down. So I guess you know, uh, chucker would be the brown trout, and uh, quail would be the rainbow. It would be because I can say basically around this time of year, from like spring in the summer, pretty much on any given day, I feel like I've come very close to running over a quail. On our local roads. Oh, yeah. So, I they agree like, with you. They like looking at that rubber on your tires. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can see how you assimilate it with a rainbow trout. So, I'm sure somebody's going to get angry over the rainbow. Rainbow are great. They're fun. It's just, to me, it's, it's you know, you have the wild variety, which are very cool. You can tell the difference. You can feel it in the fight. You can feel it. You can see it. You can, yeah. you can even feel their spirit. When you get those stalkers, there's, you know, you're just like, oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, they look literally like the ones in the supermarket, a little snub nose and rounded off tails because they're banging their heads around and scraping their fins on concrete tanks they all day. They just don't know what to do. They're to just they're lost. Released. You yeah. know, they live off dog food and, you know. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting, though. I like the comparison between the brown and, and the truckers because it's it sounds very similar to yeah. where it's it's elusive, it's prized, um, 100% grows up in the wild. Yeah. Um, they're on their own. You know, and 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 it's like it, it feels like you could come across them. You could come across when you come across them. It's not always that trophy one. You're like, oh, I got some, you know. Yeah. But they're like juvies, like a juvenile brown trout, like in that 14 to 16 inch range. You're like stoked, but you're like, that's cool. But I I know, I know there's that 24 or 26 mm-hmm. inch, which. I don't oh, know, yeah. it would be comparative in, well, in the chucker world. Well, that's what's crazy. I mean, and we go back and forth, you know, chucker hunters in general and, you know, just shooting the shit, whether it's at a bar or just, you know, communicating with people, reaching out to people who, who you know, take pride in, in chasing birds and chasing chucker. Um, you know, when you get a large chucker, a, a, a very a mature chucker, I mean, it's a huge difference. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, like your whole, I mean, almost like a, a football in your hand. Um 
in comparison to like a yearling. I mean, you, you could see a young bird sometimes, even those young youthful, youthful birds don't even have their markings and markings being just, uh, you know, they, they usually have some stripes on their, on their sides. And then sometimes we'll refer to them as bandits because they do have, um, you know, almost like the, the ninja look to them yes. uh, with the banded eyes. Yes. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you get a, a very mature bird, which it's my understanding. I'm, I'm no expert in chucker hunting, uh, but it's usually three years is their um, age. Uh, you know, the, I mean, hunters are not their primary um, predator. Uh, it's, it's more of those in the wild. I mean, it's coyotes, it's bobcats, it's mountain lions, it's hawks. Um, Fox. It's not, yeah. There, some fox will go after him. Right. Um, I saw some the other day. That's why I'm okay. asking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely not hunters. Which is, you know, there are there's an increase in big game hunting. There's a big increase mm-hmm. in, in fishing right now. It's and, nuts. Yep. And upland hunting, and you know, more power to the individuals who are realizing, hey, take advantage of it. Well, you can take advantage of the water sources before they run dry. Take advantage of the public lands before yep. they're 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 privately owned. Yeah. Um, and so, if more people get into it, hey, it's more to conservation. Um, again, hot spotting, like I'm, I'm very anti and, and, and showcasing areas and posting, Hey, this is exactly where I went. Um, I know that day when we went fishing, it wasn't a matter of, Hey, tell me, tell me exactly where we're going. It was just, Hey, show up here. This is where we're meeting. And this is, you know, then we'll figure it out from there. Yep. And yeah, other people clearly knew of that area, but we were able to find a portion of the river. No one was really bothering us. And I think even when I hooked that fish, um, you know, the fish you caught, uh, we we actually walked down. There's some people fishing yep. uh, downstream from us that we they just were. said, hey, you know, whatever was in there, they blew out, and this is you know came from, from you. And I appreciate kind of your, you know, I learned a lot from my father who got me into hunting and fishing. Um, but I, because I hadn't had really you know like a mentor or someone to like reteach me or show me the ways again, you're like, hey, look, because the that group was already you know they've been there, they've got out of there. Fish have may have come back to that area. Let's yep. go check it out. We got. Know, out of the water yep. and walk down to it and yeah i mean i think it was my first or second cast i mean hook had one on um and it was just kind of crazy in the sense of hey like you know you could move constantly um and those fish kind of you know reposition and that's kind of like chucker hunting yep. i mean there's a lot of people who won't backtrack areas and i think that's crucial to be able to all right you walk past, past this area there are no birds you've been hunting now for a couple hours go back some of those areas that you know that look good that weren't promising because they could have been roosting there or you know or they could have been feeding there or you find you know we refer to it as you know sign of, of uh i mean they're they're green cones or they're uh, ice cream cones hmm. um of shit and we're literally out there looking at chucker shit kind of like you guys looking at rocks and seeing what's hatching and flies um and, you know what could be right you know what the right fish are rising on we look at signs similarly out when we're chasing birds. I mean, we'll see old sign, which is chucker shit or tracks, um, you know, and typically it's a sign like, all right, they've been here. And if you've seen that and you aren't getting into birds, sometimes, you know, an hour or two goes by, backtrack where you came across that sign because they could be there. And that's what we did that day on the water. Yeah, and, and it was kind of cool because you did give me some descriptions as we were walking to and from the fishing spots. Um you talked a little bit about chuckers and, and, you know, tracking them and about, you know, people kind of sneaking up hunting areas or, you know, you know, crossing just bad approaches and whatnot. And there's so many similarities between chucker hunting and river fishing. But I think the funniest part was you were describing on how, how tough it can be find, how tough it can be to find a chucker or track one down or, you know, it's, it's not like easy. Exactly. And, and, and to disprove that point, quickly 
was was it a matter of a week or two weeks later as I was driving down and I'll leave the location undisclosed on the podcast but driving down a uh, a four service access road somewhere in Nevada uh, to the proximity of a mountain range um, as I'm going down the road I see this bird cross the road and I'm like huh wait a second and as I get closer um, I see a bunch of little chicks behind it and I'm like well that's not a duck and I get closer and I'm like no way it's a chucker. It's a chucker. So what I learned is it's all a ruse just to sound cool. Like, oh, chuckers are so hard to find. Like, no, they literally just... drive just, down the road. Just drive down the road and they just cross in front of you and don't even like... They're like quell. Well, they like looking at that rubber. They do. They do. Rubber on the tires. Yeah. But but you explained to me because my lo- you, you explained what, what the situation there was and whatnot. But I thought it was so cool. Like, and it just had these little chicks that like, was it, like oh. just hatched. They were... Yeah. One, like, I almost felt like I had to get out and grab one because it got stuck on this rock on the road. It couldn't like navigate this like quarter-sized pebble. And it like kept trying to walk over it and couldn't figure out to walk around it. And I'm like, I think I have to get out and like pick it up. And I'm like, that, one ah. will be, that one will be the first to go this this upcoming trucker season. No, oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. But it's just funny to watch. And the mom like tucks in a bush, and and all the little chicks go and run towards it. And I'm like, ah, all right. And I just truck on. And yeah. I'm like, wow, well, that's cool. But that's what's you know? cool. I think so. Uh, the one of the first videos we uh, we did outside of GoPro. So when the the videos are being done. Um, you know, it was always GoPros. And then there was this college kid. Uh, uh, I won't drop his last name, but his name's Chase. He's quite the uh, the angler. I mean, mm. he's a true diehard um, fly fisherman. Um, and he, like, he loves fly fishing because, you know, he'll tell us or he'll, you know, we, he filmed. He came and filmed one of the hunts. Um, I was actually studying for, for a bar exam, so it's unable to hunt uh, at the time. But he wanted to learn how to chucker hunt. So we're mm. like, hey, if you want to come film we'll show you how to chucker hunt. And he's now like committed to chasing birds as well, but he loves fly fishing and finding areas uh, to chase birds in. And so um, I know when he fishes, you know, the walker, like there's areas that you never think that hold birds and they're there. And I know he's in, he's in Colorado now and there's areas that he'll fly fish over there. And Colorado does have a chucker season. People are surprised to hear that. Um, It's very difficult to get on wild chucker there, but it's doable. Mm -hmm. But he'll be fly fishing over there and be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you start looking at the terrain, um, you know, the feed. And I think that's what's awesome is, you know, to utilize and take advantage of the outdoors while we have the ability to, like I said earlier, but you just get exposed to so much. Like you see mule deer, lope, um, you know, quail, sometimes huns, uh, chucker, even, you know, those predators too, coyotes and mountain lions. Like you just see so much. But when you're driving past it, it just looks so barren. It's, it's just the Great Basin um, and, and, you know, the, the sagebrush that, that kicks east all the way, you know, Wyoming, Montana. Uh, it just looks like there's no, like what could survive? Like there's going right. to be nothing out there. And then you, one thing with fly fishing is you have to have patience. So when you do have those, you know, the patience, you just kind of pay attention a little more. And I, I've seen, I've never done this where I'm fly fishing in Montana and I've only seen photos and heard stories, but I mean, sometimes you're fly fishing on water and elk will just come down and get mm-hmm. water. And it's just, people have said it's one of like the most surreal moments to see that type of wildlife come down and they don't even recognize you as, you know, a, a, I guess a 
uh, I mean, I wouldn't say you're, uh, I mean, you're not hunting. It's not like you have, have a rifle on you, but you, you're not a threat. Right. So you're on the water, you have, you know, you're fly fishing and these animals come down and they're just like, you're, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you're just one with the land. Um, but you get to see so much when you're out there on water and even chucker hunting. I mean, I know guys who will hunt a lot of areas where the, it holds big game, mm. uh, or big game, uh, bighorn sheep. Yeah. And again, so impressive to be out there and see this, you know, in, in Nevada, it's our, our state animal, the desert, desert bighorn. And so when you're out there chasing chucker and get to see, you know, these, these impressive animals that could survive out in those elements, I mean, it's kind of cool. And I think that's one, like the allure as well to hunting yeah. and fishing is it's more than that. And it I, is. Yeah. I would agree. It's like, you're getting immersed you're getting immersed in that environment and you know nine times out of ten you like you mentioned the walker river um i'll usually see i mean i'll get into fish out there but the the amount of wildlife that i see is pretty fascinating i mean last time i was out there a week and a half ago i ran across a pair of fox and i'm like i had a double take they crossed the road right in front of me on a trail and i'm like i paused they paused I told him to wait. I'm like, hey, guys, just wait a second. I literally told him that, and I pulled out my phone, and I took a picture. And I said, wait, one more. And then they went to the edge of the road, stopped, turned, sat down, looked at me, and took another picture, and they took off. And I'm like, those were fox? I'm like, I've never seen fox out here. And you always see all this different wildlife. But speaking of wildlife, I think we're going to go indulge in some wildlife right now um, downstairs in Pledge's Kitchen. So we're going to partake in that, and we'll tell you about that when we come back. What are we having? Is it boar? It's wild boar. <laughs> Pledge better not mess this up. I know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're back. So, yeah, we had a cool little quick uh, dinner session of some um, wild boar bratwurst. And a salad creation that Damon really liked. Oh, it's horrible. But <laughs> you, you gotta love having your own private chef. Right. Pledge. Right. Pledge does well. He roasted some peppers. He cast iron some wild boar bratwurst, which came out excellent. Uh, it seems Damon was pretty fond of the uh, stone ground mustard, um, which was good. It was great with that wild boar. Um, you have to love your condiments. You have to love them. You have to love them. I think... Uh, when I'm, you know, you, you get ready for any trip, uh, I refer to it as the snack pack. And it's a little maverick in a little zip-up bag. Um, and it has, you know, from junk food to jerky to crackers to the miscellaneous snacks you get on the holidays. That you just throw, you know, it's mislabeled or you don't even know what it is, but I just throw it in the snack pack. And there's always condiments. There's uh, I have multiple hot sauces in there. Uh, there's some stuff that I'll probably never touch, but if anyone's interested, it's like these little, uh, jackass hot sauces that are like, you know, little small bottles of it. But I throw those in there because when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're starving, sometimes a little spice on the canned oyster is pretty damn good. It's actually pretty excellent. Oh yeah. It's super excellent. That's a wise choice right there. It just, I got to back up. I have to pick on pledge because <laughs> one of the first things he was doing when he was finishing the bratwurst and the cast iron, he was literally taking the internal temperature <laughs> of the sausage. So I'm like, I'm a gambler. I'm a, oh. gam- I'm a gambler when it comes to wild, like wild boar, wild game, because basically when I look at, if I'm cooking it, I know internal temperature is important, but however, when the juices start running clear, you're usually in the clear. 
And then if you're not in the clear, I want to. I don't want to know. I want it to be a continuance of the adventure of obtaining that wild game. Now, granted, uh, this wasn't hunted for by me. I mean, but it's still wild game. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So I, it's like if if there's going to be an incident afterwards, I I I will embrace it fully. <laughs> well, good thing there's a. <laughs> we're not out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, and right. there's, there's there's running water and, and bathrooms here where we're at. Well, you can find running water but, out in nature. Yeah, you can and, absolutely, and but, you could always substitute with baby wipes. <laughs> but good 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 old <laughs> pledge. Uh, I think you know that's how we met. I mean, that's one thing, uh, Nico. It's it's good to, uh, for you to have me on here, and I'm appreciative of that. But yeah. we met through pledge. Um, Pledge is obviously not his uh, birth name, uh, but a name he, he received in, in college, and I think his parents refer to him now as Pledge, and they wish they would have named him Pledge uh, when they first saw him. It's comical. Um, but, you know, I'm big on, you know, Traeger. I used to honestly bash Traeger. I'm like, nope, give me propane mm-hmm. in that grill, uh, that open flame, and then I did get a Traeger uh, a couple years ago and absolutely love it. And I know there's individuals that do those, you know, internal temp checks and I'm sure. like what are you doing I'm like hey if you no different than on a, a you know a, a gas grill you should have that dialed in and it, through trial and error you figure it out like just like you said you yep. know if it starts the juice start, juices start running and it's clear okay we're you're safe go. you're a Traeger but, fan too huh? oh big time Traeger fan and yeah. I kind of texture you know or just the uh you know depending on what, what I'm cooking on it you could at times tell like if you do flip the meat like I like flipping you know some of the stuff that I will smoke um, depending on what I'm cooking I will right. flip like I'm, I'm so used to cooking tri-tip where I want I want it turned over I want it flipped um, and just by grabbing you know the the tongs and doing the flip I could tell from um, you know just cooking on it as much as I do that all right no need for an internal check uh, or maybe it's five minutes longer on the other side um, and you know I I've never had knock on wood. I've never had an issue. That's literally some, wood, too. <laughs> or someone complain uh, of something being overcooked on a Traeger, and that's one right. thing that I love about it. Right. Even if it is overcooked, um, I you know it's still tender, it's still moist. Um, it's not like it's jerky, and that's what I always joke about with people. Like you know, I like a lot of the stuff I make, uh, medium rare, um, rare to medium rare, um, and at times if you overcook it. It's still going to be flavorful and still going to be, you know, it's not going to be dried out meat that typically you get on a grass. grass so, so this makes sense on why you wanted. We're talking about pledge a lot, but it's fun. <laughs> why, why well, it's this, easy to bash on, right? Right. Well, for, for this particular podcast, we we, we were pushing him to get his grill going. Uh, we're, we're stoked that he cast iron and stuff, but I noticed the first thing that you pushed him on was like, "Hey, Home Depot sale Traeger." Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, and I'm like. Why not? Because myself, I'm actually a, a new owner. Okay. New, new, brand new owner of uh, of a Traeger, uh, a Silverton 620, which is is the Costco model, right. which a lot of people talk down upon. Um, but this is the updated one with the uh, with the Wi-Fi. All right. And uh, I've cooked quite a few things on it so far, and each single one has come out top notch, on the money, perfect. No issues. I may have had some extended cooking times due to wind and stuff like that, but that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. Those things are are it's re- re- ridiculous. Uh, a buddy of ours, uh, we call him Stempy. Uh, he he <laughs> refers to him as uh, his. Uh, he has a family member who refers to Traegers as an easy bake oven, and I'm like, you are correct. Yeah. You can't go wrong. 
Uh, and you, you can though. Oh, you, <laughs> no, I mean, you could let it run out of pellets. Uh, you could not clean the the bottom the bottom pan on it, and it could smoke everybody out and oh. whatnot. Oh well, uh, that's funny about running out of uh, you know when you have the pellets that you need to replenish every so often. It's always good to make sure that when uh, you know usually you go to the smoke. Uh, mode on it mm-hmm. to not forget that hey you need to crank that thing up because there's been a few times I, I get it going it starts smoking those pellets start burning yeah. and then I just get sidetracked yeah white easy. smoke's bad yeah. white smoke is bad so yeah. we'll stop talking about Pledge so um. <laughs> <laughs> Pledge just joined us he got uh, not only does he cook for us but he, he did the dishes on those paper plates he served right served the Classy wild boar at the Olsen house <laughs> That's yeah, a familiar voice to many of uh, the uh, the burritos, breaks and flies fans out there. But but hopefully we uh, we get him to commit to a smoker here sooner rather than yeah. later. He's uh he's enjoying retirement life, and uh, he needs to get a Traeger soon. He does. He does. So hey, what I wanted to kind of talk about is like we shared a lot of commonalities between um, chucker hunting, fly fishing, but I think I we found some really really common ground and quite literally common ground. <laughs> Um, when it comes to land issues, specifically like access issues, and I think it it may be where we're at with our fly fishing community, it may feel a bit more predominant with the hunting community. However, overall, state-wise, from uh, access issues that I found um, in, in two states, in California and Nevada, um, the further outbound that you go to find those more remote um, and tucked away areas, um, you feel like you're in free open range out there, but then you'll come across an issue. You'll come across the gate. You'll come across some type of issue. And I know there's been some resolution in Nevada to make access easier. California, not so much. Um, I mean, what what has been your experience? Like, what you've seen the the pitfalls or the progression, or like where Nevada is out right, you know, well, right now with with land access issues. Well, I think what's always crazy, and there's a, a you know, growing up in Winnemucca, um, there's a lot of you know farmers and ranchers out there, um, and it's it's wild to think that every single water source in the state of Nevada, I don't know about other states, so I won't speak speak on you know to, to it, but is owned privately for the most part. Mm. Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, public utilities that own, you know, have, have ownership to, to water sources, but you know, you, you go to Onyx, you find a, a, a water source to go hunt around. Um, no matter what wild game you're, you're, you're after, they rely heavily on water, which we all know. Right. So you find that water source, you try to reach it and you realize, oh, this is gated. Hmm. You find that roadway, uh, whether you're using, you know, um, Onyx or Google Maps, whatever you know resource you're, you're utilizing, like you are constantly looking for water, and just like if you're you know looking for for areas to fish, you're looking for that water source that holds fish, and at times, that's owned by a rancher, or the water rights are owned by a rancher or owned by a public utility, and uh, and I learned that actually hunting in, in Southern California, uh, you know trying to hunt off three ninety five and knowing that so much of Bishop California is owned by L A. DWP. And, yep. yep. And it is crazy. Um, and then, you know, the further south you go, you know, it finally opens up. But even the water sources down there. So when I was hunting Chucker down in uh, Southern California, I, I relied and, and respect the hell out of um, Quell Forever. They go to those chapters down there. They go around and fill up 
um, the guzzlers and the guzzlers, the chucker rely heavily on the guzzlers down there. Oh, wow. Um, but you know, back to, you know, just public access, there's many times I'm trying to access a water source to get on some birds, knowing that that's where their water source is. Um, and I'm unable to, and yeah, the laws, uh, you know, in 2019, um, and for those listeners out there who don't, you know, I think Nevada is unique in many ways. Um, as I'm even looking at the world famous Mustang ranch bottle opener. Great job, uh, pledge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but Nevada has a, their legislative session every other year. And so, uh, this year it ended, uh, end of May, new, some new, new regulations in place. Um, but in 2019, they did change the regulation of, um, it being a civil penalty, um, a misdemeanor to block access to public lands. And so it helps. Um, but it is just crazy the amount of times you're out in the middle of nowhere and you come across an area that you think you could access public publicly and you, you just simply can't. So then you're kind of figuring out, all right, if you have Onyx, well, who owns it? Is there a rancher nearby um, to have the ability to go maybe ask permission if you get lucky um, or go to the next gate and see if uh, there's actual access to then, you know, do a full 180 and get back to where you want to go. Interesting. So what you're saying is that you found that even on public lands, if there's a water source that on public land, that water source is privately owned. Is that what you're saying? Or the, like in some the, circumstances or just the land by itself with so, the water source? So I'm no, I'm not a, a water rights attorney, um, but prior appropriation of water rights is, is, you know, been around for, for years. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the water is owned, the water itself, not necessarily the land that surrounds the water, but the water is owned gotcha. um, and it, it's protected. And so, um, and then there's, you know, you factor in, you know, it's roughly 86% of uh, Nevada is public. And um, with those public lands, the BLM issues permits for grazing. So some of those areas may not have a water source, but they're, they're blocked off or fenced mm. for those ranchers to be able to graze on them. Interesting. I think I think one of the most local areas where we have, I wouldn't say it's an issue, but if, if you want to get familiar with sections of water or land being privately owned is the classic example is, uh, is the East Walker River. So on the East Walker, the California side used to be pretty much how did it go? It was wide open. The Nevada side was closed because it used to be Rosachi Ranch um, and Shrini Ranch. And now, if you find it, uh, Rosachi switched over and uh, it is now managed by Toyabi National Forest. So it's all public access, you know, just whatever. There's free grazing out there, public access. Just close the cattle gate behind you. You're good to go. Shrini Ranch. Is this uh, California or Nevada? Yeah, this is Nevada. Oh, okay. This is Nevada, but it used to be the flip to where... You could fish the California side, and, and, and Nevada side was closed off. Oh, gotcha. But the Nevada side opened up to really great fishing regulations and whatnot. And um, and the, the the one piece of private water that you do have is Shrini, which is on, I believe it's on the Nevada side. It's a small stretch, um, but there was there is an advantage to it to where it is an active cattle ranch. Um, and that's their section of river, uh, but they do for a small fee, a daily fee. Um, overnight fee, they'll let you camp and they'll let you fish that section of the river. You know, I think it's 80 to a hundred bucks a day or something like that. It's pretty reasonable. Um, however, you know, you can find yourself in situations. I know in other States where it's just completely shut off yeah. where it may be that, a public waterway, but all the land around is private. And your only way to navigate the river would be to go down river. But if it's not considered a navigable waterway, you don't have the right to run the riparian line down the river mm. to access that stuff. So um, we're kind of lucky over here. We don't deal with that too much, but 
Yeah. I, I think I ran into this issue. Uh, my dad was fortunate enough to draw a bull elk tag last year. And in the area, um, you know, great area for elk. I actually drew the same tag um, four years prior. So Newt was very familiar with the area. But I reached out to the, the ranch manager and I just said, hey, you know, we have a tag up there. Um, you know, what can you tell me about the bulls that are running up there in the herds? Um, and, and was a wealth of knowledge. I think, you know, we talked about biologists uh, before we had that great boar that Pledge uh, was able to cook for us on the the cast iron. As he's flexing in the back, he thinks he's a tough guy. 265 degrees. <laughs> he had to probe it, probe it before it was okay for us to consume. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> um, but... You know, to reach out to the, the the ranch manager, he was a wealth of knowledge, and he even said, "If there's closed gates, let us know, and we'll give access." And I know he they work well with the Department of Wildlife, trying to promote that. Like, hey, we have no issue with working with the you know outdoor community, um, and I think that you know goes hand in hand even with biologists. If you're in a new area, reach out to the biologists. Um, so I think that's cool that that ranch, you know, that, that you just mentioned, they there's a fee associated with it, unfortunately, sure. and that's just access, you know, to, to, to fish it and, and it, the overnight stay. But, hey, they're, they're allowing you to do what, what they do, you know, for you to do what you want to do. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a reason why they are at uh, times, um, you know, standoffish because mm-hmm. they deal, you know, it only takes one person to ruin it for everyone. And that's so they right. more than likely have had a situation where someone left their trash. Um, you know, there's a, and I learned it from pledge, uh, before I, I got heavily, uh, supportive of it. Um, but the anti-surface shitting movement, I mean, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, quit taking shits above ground, bury it. If you don't have a shovel, use your boot, put a rock <laughs> over it, <laughs> but even ranchers, right? Like, right. I mean, you go on these, you know, their land and they they might be working cattle or, or branding in some area. I mean, who knows what? And then they come across just toilet paper, just ass paper floating away in the air. It's like, what the hell? Right. And so it only, you know, or, you know, uh, bottles. I mean, I've chosen not to drink out of bottled beer or bring bottles of anything, glass bottles, when I'm out in the middle of the desert. Makes because sense. Because it's, 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 it's more to pack out, um, you know, more than likely to break. Uh, running bird dogs, you know, there's they're more prone to an incident occurring. Um, Fire hazard. Yeah, 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 but it's just, it's. I mean, there's no reason for it. And so some rancher, you know, his cattle or cow dogs, you know, run into it or he, they step in it or cut their hand or whatever the hell it might be. Um, whatever the case might be, ranchers realize that, you know, one piss poor uh, mistake of someone ruined it for all of us. And I think yeah. that goes, I mean, that, that could, you know, be access to anything and everything. I mean, right now, even with how dry it's been, you know, there's been a lot of notices from local agencies and organizations as to, hey, like, you know, we're closing off this area. I know in California, certain areas are now, or uh, I actually saw it in Arizona, certain areas are closed off for campers mm-hmm. because of the risk of uh, wildfires. And I, yep. I believe, you know, there's some crazy stat out there that 90% of the wildland fires are c- human cost. Yep. I and mean, that's a sad stat. It is. I mean, it, it, it shows that us humans are pretty stupid generally. Mm-hmm. I'm sure none of your listeners and none of those trucker hunters and, you know, none of the fly fishermen, other you know, other than pledged. Uh, but, you know, it's just the fact that 90% of wildland fires are started like by humans is a sad reality that it is. we can't be trusted. 
Um, so, you know, I'm supportive of, uh, sadly, I'm supportive of when agencies have to close off those areas. And I hope that doesn't happen to our public lands where BLM in Nevada comes out and says, <clears throat> hey, we can't trust you hunters to go out in the middle of nowhere and be reasonable. Right. So, um, again, I don't want it to go to that, you know, come to that, but it does, you know, tie it back to us talking about ranchers and those, those certain areas of, you know, California, Nevada and having access to it. Hey, if there's a slight fee, it's well worth it. Um, unfortunately, there's a fee altogether because I'm sure they just had a bad experience. And that rancher's like, no, I, I want, you know, at least some credibility of if you pay that fee, at least there's a name, a known name associated with the fee. They know exactly who's out on their property camping. Um, and it is what it is. Right. So. Right. No, I agree. And it's kind of funny. I'll back up a little bit. You mentioned the DWP is uh, it was, they were kind of a saving grace last year late in the fishing game oh really around september yeah and this 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 might blow you awake in comparison to hunting so dwp manages um well you know what section of land they manage but on the upper owens and the crowley lake area that's all dwp land as well and part of their land agreement up there is that they have to allow uh 365 day access to anglers oh no way outdoor people the hunting there I don't know how that zoned in California. It probably would apply to them as well. <clears throat> However, during... Probably just goes hand in hand with the season. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, There's someone here locally in Reno who's good buddies with someone in the like Owens Valley area and chases <coughs> birds. And, right. And there are good bird numbers. I mean, there, you could go Quail Quest or you could go Chuck or Chase. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So there was one access. So there's a bunch of tributary rivers that feed into the upper Owens. Like you have Hot Creek and a few other ones. However, they run through national forest land, whether it's like Toyabi or Inyo or whatnot. During that time of year, this time, what was it, September of last year, all those forest service lands were closed because of the wildfires. Whether there's one close or not, they just they closed them off. No go. Like, no no matter what. No no dry camping, no no vehicle access. Oh, no way. So, uh, and, and we were out in that area. We were trying to fish the East Walker. Unfortunately... On the California side, which a lot of it lands on Toyobi National Forest, so it was closed. So we're like, oh man, what do we do? DWP, midst of fire season, wide open. Crazy. Wide open. And, you know, they have active, they had active grazing out there, so you have to cross cow fields. And they have pedestrian gates through that out there. But in the middle of nowhere, they got pedestrian gates where you can navigate um, through the cattle fields safely. So we got like know, a pack in type fishing. It is packed, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the Upper Owens has several branches to it. So it's not just one body of water. It's a couple different, you know, but they're all, they culminate as Upper Owens. Okay. So you can navigate up there all that on foot, but, you know, another piece of it is it takes a little bit of work to get out there. It's not super hard to get out there, but it takes a little bit of footwork to get out there. And there's a respect level because you never saw a piece of trash out there. You never saw anything like that. No um, surface shitting? No, okay, not that yeah. well. I mean, you didn't step in any. I mean, there was plenty of cow crap to step in, but <laughs> but people generally they take care of it. But it's it's interesting to see how some of those things work, you know. So it, it's it it was a, a blessing to find that you know that time of year. But um, uh, all this, even though we just ate, I want to talk about food a little bit more. All right. Yeah. And well, we think, didn't have any chucker. We didn't have any of a uh, uh, pledge. Pledge is a big fan of the trout. We learned uh, as we were enjoying some dinner. It's disturbing. Yeah, he's disturbing. not a he. If he knows oh, that there's a brown on, he just uh, gets those clippers out and just clips his line. Just lets it go, huh? He just lets it go. He's just like forget <laughs> about it. Forget about it. Of all of all the fish that you can source, 
Trout. You go to the store and buy trout. You, yeah, you can see. Yeah, just speak. Just just chime in. Just tell us the trout thing. We yeah, just, yeah, I'd say I buy salmon ahead of trout, but I don't have to buy trout because I can catch it myself. It's free. Comes with the, the homeless feces on it downtown. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Little seasoning. Wow. No, I have heard a few stories from you about uh, that one time that you fished down by the, uh, the Rock Park. Yeah. And uh, if I look at my notes here. Actually, I don't have it written down, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt you, came, like, you came out smelling like poo. Yeah, I had to come home and wash my waders. Yeah, <laughs> came home with me. Oh, it's well, so gross. Unfortunately, I think whether it's downtown right now and the homelessness, it's it's all over. It's kind of weird, still weird times. Yeah, for here, many different reasons. Here, scoot a little bit more because I think this, I'm going to bring this burrito conversation to a new level because I heard you guys talking about this downstairs. So first, I'm going to ask you, Damon. This is. The question of the podcast. Okay. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Oh, no. You're ready. You've been ready for this. Damon, what is your favorite burrito? Michael's Deli from 7 a.m. till 10.30, Monday through Saturday. I don't even work there. And I love it. So my promotion of Michael's Deli, best burrito in northern Nevada, hands down, goes to a ham and jalapeno breakfast burrito. Hmm. It's a breakfast burrito. Well, I mean, you could have it for lunch or dinner or a snack. Right, but it's primarily tagged a breakfast burrito. It is a breakfast burrito. Perfect. So, like I said, seven to ten thirty. It's breakfast time. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pledge eats trout, so. Um, <laughs> so you got a fish burrito? No, no. no. So, and you and you and you're on board with who's your favorite? We Walden's. Yeah. Walden's. I've said that a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah same thing. Walden's breakfast burrito. And, so, and what's in the Walden's again, please? I go with the chorizo. Chorizo. Yeah. And. Well, Basically just chorizo, potatoes, mm. and he orders that at Mustang too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but so. before before Walden's made it to Midtown, and before Midtown was even a thing, Michael's Deli has been downtown. And okay. They are hands down for six dollars and fifty cents. Mm-hmm. Maybe seven dollars. The best burrito. Interesting. So this is what I got going on, and one day I got to get all you guys together. So I got uh, you with Michael's. We'll do a brown bag burrito tasting contest. Ooh. It's like a Pepsi challenge. Yeah. yeah. And then you have Walden's, right? And I got two other guests. I got, uh, it's funny, I have Travis Hawks of Endow. Endow. Right, freaking fishing he's, and hunting he's, stud. He's a legend. He's, he's, a, fucking, he's a stud. My, um, dad, my dad's bird dog was hand-delivered by Travis. Really? Yep. So oh. shout out to Travis for that because that bird dog's still around and still a stud. It's almost it's like the next best thing to like being touched by god um <laughs> almost 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 um maybe why it became such a good bird dog probably Thank, thanks travis shout out eddie booth i'm sure uh greatly appreciates that the touch of god, <laughs> the touch of god. <laughs> so i if i if i have this correct i remember travis uh um favors a breakfast burrito in orvada oh geez it's at the sawtooth shell station i'm sure <laughs> and, and wait, no, and then there was a, and there really? was, and then there was a, there was a tie to that because uh, my other podcast guest and buddy uh, Dennis is Bister, he's the uh, the TV host of Wild Fish Wild Places. He said, I asked him all the places in the world. I mean, oh, hands the world? down, all places he he picks Orvada. Your sawtooth shell like station. I, yeah, I knew it. I mean, it's, so, it, it's so, up there, but it's no, and that's that's one of the biggest points of this podcast is like you know when you when you're out and about, regardless of if you're hunting, you're fishing, you're outdoors, 
you know, it's always the food that fuels the adventure. It's like one of the most memorable things. And it could be really good or it could be really bad. So, so I'll tell you, I mean, the best thing about Michael's yes. won the price. Well, I had to drop that. But a good to, price. to remake them in the field on cast irons, as Pledge made the boar, um, but on like camp chefs in the middle of nowhere. They're the, like, so I was fortunate enough to draw a desert ram tag last year. And that's what we had for breakfast. Pledge was on that hunt. He was our camp chef as well. Uh, and Did you bag one? Oh yeah, I was thankfully. Thank- I was, well, I'm glad you did. I was hoping that you didn't because I could blame Pledge. Be like, oh, the Pledge first was- one I missed is because oh. of Pledge. Because Pledge was in my head. But I will say, <laughs> with that sheep meat, desert ram meat, I made breakfast burritos when I was uh-huh. ice fishing last year. And, and were those epic? Oh, were you caught? Very good. Yeah, that's that was the that trout. Hook. You didn't mix it with trout though. It wasn't trout no. and sheep. No. <laughs> right, right, right. That's well, where you caught the smallest fish on record, yes, Nevada. Smallest after fish. you catch the biggest fish you've yeah. ever caught in your life. Yeah, it's remarkable. But, you know, just to, I mean, Michael's is awesome in the sense of you call down there, you tell them what you need, they always take care of you, and, you know, before any big, like, there's been some big chucker hunts that I've been on, multi, multiple day, uh, middle of nowhere, um, uh, wall tent type, you know, ventures, and they're just so quick to reheat, and they're never super soggy, you know, you just, you, I don't even freeze them, truthfully, I'll just wrap them in tinfoil, um, and cook them the next day on Camp Chefs or cast irons, whatever we're doing. And it is just a quick go-to breakfast burrito that could be, whether it's, you know, five minutes after ordering it and getting it and, and, and devouring it, or, you know, next day, two days, three days. Quick run through on the ingredients again. I heard the word ham in there. Well, you could do bacon. You well, what do, do you do? What do you I, do? I do ham. Ham jalapeno. Ham, ha- ham jalapeno. Ham jalapeno. There's, a, there's okay. another individual... Uh, he's a, he's a trucker hunter. Uh, he has a husky. It's a pretty pretty odd bird dog. Okay. Uh, but the husky yeah. gets it done. Um, he's a big veggie. He orders a veggie. A veggie. And he's not one who's in shape. So he's not. And he's not a Californian. You know, going going health health on it. He's he's no yoga master. Okay. Um, but he goes veggie and he adds sausage. Because oh. he, he's tried doing the sausage route and it just doesn't cut it for him. So right. he'll do. And actually, thinking about it, he does veggie. Minus the potato with sausage, that's and that's his move. go-to. That's a that's a solid move. It's oh very, yeah, it's very keto almost with minus. I mean, if you took the the uh, the tortilla, tell me about the tortilla. It's flour. It's and, flour. Flour and, tortilla. And it's flour. Extent. There's uh, cheddar you, cheese. The so yeah. the spuds in it. Mm-hmm. I like to think they're Winnemucca spuds, but I'm sure they're not. But the spuds yeah. are cooked. The spuds are cooked right. The better ones come from Idaho. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, Idaho has a lot of good <laughs> things, but <laughs> I don't know about their spuds. Winnemucca spuds are. Are probably the best on the market. You think so? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's an O'Brien who lives in Winnemucca, so that's telling you something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's settled. That's that's settled. so. If the, the Idaho O'Briens are having family members in northern Nevada. I mean, that's a telling sign. We have some good spuds. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So, one one important factor about that that tortilla, what I need to know is like how it holds up. Like I said, the one the to the reheat. Oh, incredible. Incredible! It's you, it's crispy, uh-huh. crunchy when you reheat it in the cast iron. It's yeah. not soggy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the flour tortilla does seal the deal, literally and figuratively. So you would say it's a solid, and reliable containment vessel. Oh, like it helps retain as much as that product, and, and if you no have any leakage. standby, it's no the, leakage. It depends. Oh wow! It de- depends. I mean, things like tight as a submarine. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, we won't talk about submarines with Pledge here because. <laughs> We all know what's inside submarines. You don't um, want to talk about it depends. I think he's starting to wear them. <laughs> I 
Ouch! I'm not paying attention over here. <laughs> but, okay, well, that's great. So, uh, Michael's breakfast. Michael's break. Deli. Michael's Deli. Okay. Pledge is added on my sheep hunt. He's added on chucker hunts. Right. I'm sure uh, Travis, I uh, hear he's, he's uh, your number one fan listener. I'm sure he's had it. If you're from Reno, you've had Michael's Deli. I haven't had it, so, but I'm not oh from. I'm not from Reno. There we go. Yeah, that's yeah. why. So, okay. I mean, I claim to be. Well, next we'll do a little. We'll do a little cast and blast, and we'll bring some Michael's Deli. Okay. Yeah. Cast and blast. Nice. <laughs> all right. Pledge will pack all this shit. He'll cook for us. He'll clean for us. He's an excellent chef. <laughs> he is. He is. Bring your thermometer too. I will. Yeah. Make Absolutely. sure that's at a safe temp. I don't want to get you guys sick. I don't want to he has one that plugs oh. into his cell phone. I don't want to give you chickenosis. Chicken. Chickenosis. <laughs> chickenosis. Chicken. Chickenosis. It's a new disease. Um, well, Damon, I loved having you on. You've been a spectacular guest. But before we go, um, I like you to put out uh, a plug for Chucker Chasers. If somebody's interested. Like, could they hear this and they're like, oh, I like to upland game bird hunt too. I was going to say something else, but I want to be polite. <laughs> so if they're interested so, and they want to learn more, because I think it's a fantastic organization. I see I see the camaraderie there. I see the outreach that you guys go in there. I see the work that you do, um, you know, at the nonprofit level. And it seems like to be constantly kind of expanding. It seems like you've got a pretty big following and, and, and some faithful uh, members and supporters. So. Yeah, we did just start the foundation, started a membership program. Mm -hmm. So if you Google Chucker Chasers and go to the website, there's a webpage specifically for the foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could get a membership and there's benefits. Excuse me. That boar. It's the boar. Boar burst. It's making me cough and making him burp. <laughs> it's probably undercooked. No, it probably is undercooked. Um, but no, there, there's uh, there's memberships now for the foundation and all funds of that. So it's kind of cool. In a, in a sh- short while that the foundation's been around, we have a chapter in Idaho. So wow. there's um, an Idaho chapter and then the originator out of Nevada. Um, and all proceeds from the Idaho chapter, if you're an Idaho listener, um, interested in supporting a, a, a great organization up there, um, they do a lot with the youth and then fire, uh, wildfire rehabilitation, um, be a member. And from a membership, there's a, an individual annual, there's a business member, and then there's a lifetime. And with the lifetime, there's a partnership with Crispy Boots. Um, you know, every foot's different, so I'm not going to push Crispy on you, but Crispy Boots do hold up in the elements. Yeah. And so even accessing some areas, uh, even fly fish, you know, you, you have to, you know, track in there. Yep. Um, and, you know, you want a good pair of boots. But, uh, yeah, Google uh, Chucker Chaser Foundation. There's now memberships. And then in Nevada, I know we're doing our uh, youth upland hunt in October. Typically, it's the end of September, but we're doing one in October this year. And then our annual dinners in both Nevada and Idaho are typically in February. However, we are doing, since ours couldn't be done this February in Nevada, we're doing a little shindig in August. So if you're interested, if you're around Reno, um, want to fish, want to, you know, maybe you drew a, a non-resident and you're in town or you're a resident already in, in town before, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you, you go out or maybe you bagged your antelope or your deer by then, uh, end of August, there'll be an event here in Reno. So... Google Chucker Chaser Foundation, and I'm sure you'll come across the events and look forward to meeting you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being a guest, and uh, thanks, Pledge, for hanging out and for the awesome dinner. It was great. Thanks, And being man. a good host. Thank yeah. You no, appreciate it. So, An awesome shirt. Uh, we can't even. It's so awesome. We can't. We literally can't talk about it on the podcast because we try to keep it somewhat family friendly. So, um, but yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, 
All right. Well, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And until next time, tight lines. I went everybody's head about the bird. Ba 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 